بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد فان احسن الكلام كلام الله خير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وان شر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار In the previous lesson uh, we started looking at some of the forms and types of ibadah of worship and this was after we defined the meaning of worship what is ibadah what does it mean and we gave a number of definitions in that regard and then we start looking at the specific forms and types of worship so from those that we discussed and explained in some detail was addua supplication and al isti'ana al isti'ana which means to seek aid to seek assistance and likewise al istighatha istighatha is a specific form of isti'ana it means to seek rescue to seek a rescue from a calamity from a hardship and likewise adh-dhabh which is uh, sacrifice and similarly another another which is making an oath and likewise al-khawf al-khawf which is fear and i think i believe uh, we finished on that particular uh, type of uh, worship and in the question and answers that we had there was a, a specific question that was raised uh, in relation to a person's intention and if a person for example in an act of worship he is looking for the worldly reward then is his action acceptable to Allah or not and the reason why this question appeared is because there are certain actions in the sharia for which Allah azza wa jal has mentioned worldly benefits a worldly benefit so if a person was to perform those actions seeking the worldly benefit that comes from those actions then is his deed acceptable to Allah or not and so there was a bit of a discussion in the question answer session and I, and I mentioned uh, that you know if a person is only seeking the worldly benefit then his deed will not be acceptable to Allah and so just i i mentioned that i will come back to this question uh in the in the next lesson which is today's lesson and i referred you to a chapter in kitab at-tawhid uh, in kitab at-tawhid there is a chapter uh which has the title i vaguely recall the title is uh when a man does an action of the hereafter for the world for the sake of the world when a person does a deed for the action of the hereafter for the purpose of the world and in this chapter there is an ayah a verse in the quran which is quoted by sheikh al islam muhammad bin abdul wahab rahimahullah ta'ala and this ayah is man kana 
يريد الحياة الدنيا وزينتها نوفئ إليهم أعمالهم فيها وهم فيها لا يبخسون That whoever desires the life of this world and its glitter then we shall pay them in full for their deeds therein and they will not be uh, you know they, they will not be they will they will not fall short in anything meaning that the reward will be given to them in full for the deeds that they did seeking the world so in explaining this ayah so this ayah is really speaking about those people who in their deeds they are only seeking the world so in explanation of this ayah when we look in the explanations of kitab at-tawhid we see that the scholars say that there are four types of people who come under this verse sorry this is in surah uh, hud surah 11 verses 15 verse 15 verse 15 so the scholars in the explanation of kitab at-tawhid they mentioned that there are four types of people who come under this ayah the first of them are the hypocrites al-munafiqun because the hypocrites all of their deeds are done for the world because they disbelieve inwardly and so their deeds are only done in order to gain a worldly benefit or to prevent a loss in the world right so to prevent loss in wealth in position in status or to gain some benefit this is how the hypocrites they don't really believe but they are motivated to protect and defend themselves you know in the worldly sense so all of their deeds are completely vain and nullified this is the first category of of people and they are obviously they are the worst of all of them the second category coming down one level less now is 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 those people who do their deeds out of arya arya which is to show off to do a deed to be seen of men to be praised by men to be spoken of by men for one's reputation and this is uh where we see uh you know uh, as we see some of the texts the hadith which mention about a person who um you know uh, he he acquired knowledge so that it might be said he's an alim or he learned the quran so that it might be said that he is a, a reciter or that he gave charity that it might be said he's generous or that he made jihad that it might be said that he's brave and courageous right so these are deeds which are done out of arya and they are seeking some worldly you know benefit in that regard So these are people who seek ar-riya wa sum'ah. Right this is their motivation. This is the second category. The third category are those people who are motivated by wealth, al-mal, al-mal. And the examples given by the scholars is that they say for example a person he goes to an Islamic institution, he acquires sharia knowledge and his only motive his only motivation his only intent is that he can get a job so that he can work and earn a living right or for example someone learns the quran he's learning the quran because he wants to work as a quran teacher and earn wealth right this is his motivation behind 
you know, seeking, seeking and acquiring knowledge, right? It is for the purpose of mal, for the purpose of wealth. It is not because of, you know, fearing Allah, worshipping Allah, correcting one's actions, and all the rest of the things that a person hopes for, you know, which lead to uh, what is in the hereafter. But it's just like an, it's something by which he is going to, uh, you know, build an occupation and earn a living and, and so on and so forth. And you find people like this. You find there are many people like this. Uh, when you go to, for example, the Islamic University of Medina, and you see many, many, there's hundreds and hundreds of people who come there from different places, different cities, different towns, different lands. Many of them are sent by the, you know, recommended to go by the governments and many of and to a lot, to some of these people, when you speak to them, and it's just something that they, you know, when they come, they'll go back and they'll just get a job working in a school because that's the only way to earn a living, right? So this this now is the third category: those people who do deeds of the hereafter, but they do do them for the purpose of the world, and that now is the third category. Now we come to the fourth category, and this really gets to the crux of the question. That was raised in the previous lesson. And so before we can speak about the fourth category, we should understand that in the Sharia, there are two types of deeds. There are those deeds for which there is no worldly benefit mentioned in the Sharia at all. Rather, the benefit is only in terms of the hereafter. So for example, the Salah, the prayer, for example, the zakah, for example, and many other deeds for which there isn't any worldly reward or worldly benefit which is actually mentioned. So these deeds are done only for the sake of Allah. They are done only for the reward. So basically these deeds, the reward is, for the, is in the hereafter. There is no reward that is mentioned in the life of this world. So these deeds, obviously they are done for the sake of Allah, they are done to seek and pursue that particular reward. And anyone who does these deeds for something else, again it falls into ar-riya or you know, uh, the other categories that have preceded. But there are other deeds that are mentioned that for which there is a worldly benefit or a worldly reward. To give one example, uh, the hadith which mentions that whoever wants his life to be expanded, his lifespan to be lengthened, and his rizq to be increased, then let him keep the ties of kinship. Let him keep the ties, the family, keep the family ties. This is one example where this is a righteous deed, but there's a worldly benefit mentioned for this righteous deed. An increase in sustenance, an increase in your lifespan. Likewise, there are other texts like that as well that relate to, for example, uh, the, the, the curing of a disease by giving charity, for example, or things of that nature. So now you can see that in these types of examples, there are two things which there are two things which apply now. There is that which is in the hereafter of the reward that a person receives for doing these deeds, and there is that which is a benefit in the life of this world. So. The answer to the question and coming to the fourth category now is that whoever did any of these types of deeds and his only desire, his only intention 
was to achieve the worldly benefit. That's all he is seeking. Then he comes under this verse. He comes under this verse, Man kana yurid, yuridu al-hayata dunya wa zinataha. So this person, for example, coming back to our example, a person, um, he's ill, suffering from, you know, uh, lots of pain and things of that nature, chronic illness. And so he gives lots of charity. And the only thing that he is wanting, desiring, is that he wants this pain to go away. He wants, you know, he wants his pain to be removed. As for seeking and desiring what is with Allah in the hereafter, then this is of no concern to him at all. Right? He's only seeking the worldly benefit. This person, he comes under this ayah. مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا نُوَفِّ إِلَيْهِمْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فِيهَا Whoever desires uh, the life of the world and its glitter, we shall pay them in full therein. And in you know, and then the ayah continues in the next in the next ayah that you know in the hereafter they will have nothing, their deeds will be in vain, and so on and so forth. But as for the person when he does these deeds, he is seeking the reward in the hereafter, and he is seeking the benefit in this world. So he combines these two things together. Then there is no harm in that. This deed is now acceptable to Allah, because he is not seeking just purely the world from this deed. Right, he is seeking that which is with, with, with Allah in the hereafter, and as for that which is in the world, then it's, the Sharia has mentioned a benefit in the world for these deeds, and there's no harm if he seeks them as well and wants them as well, in addition to seeking that which is with Allah Azza wa Jal. So this basically answers that question that was raised in the previous lesson about doing those deeds for which the Sharia has mentioned a worldly benefit and seeking that worldly benefit. As long as you are seeking that which is with Allah in the hereafter alongside that benefit, and it is not only just that benefit, then you will not enter into this ayah. Right? So, in summary, this ayah, meaning those people, which refers to those people who deed, do deeds of the hereafter for the sake of the world. There are four types. The hypocrites, those who show off, do it for arriya, for praise. Thirdly, those who do it for wealth. And fourthly, those who do a deed for the sake of a worldly benefit alone. These are the four people who come, in, who come uh, under this ayah. So now coming uh, to continuing our lesson then, uh, we start today with looking at ar-raja. Ar-raja as a form and type of worship. So what is ar-raja? Ar-raja we translate in English as hope, to have hope. And the meaning of it here is ta'milu al-khayr, ta'milu al-khayr, fima la yaqdiru alihi illa Allah. Which means to hope in some goodness which no one has power over to, to bring it about except Allah alone. To place your hope in acquiring some goodness, some khair, for which no one has the power and ability over, except Allah Azza wa Jal. This now is an act of worship. This type of hope is an act of worship. And it is not permissible for anyone, for any believer, to hope in other than Allah, to achieve something which only Allah has the power and ability over. 
So, so to make this clear, this does not include things that we hope in in the affairs of the world, which are common things, like which which people have the ability over. Like, for example, you might hope in a person that he gives you some wealth, or that he gives you some assistance. This is not considered from worship. This is not ibadah. Because these affairs are affairs in which people have the ability, they have the power, they have the resources, they have the means to help you and assist you. So this is not to be counted as ibadah. And you can say to a person, or you know, or so-and-so, I hope from you that you give me such and such, or I hope from you that you aid me in such and such. There is nothing wrong in this at all. But if you place hope in a creature amongst the creatures, in something for which only Allah has the power and ability, like for example, curing an illness or you know, uh, that that you enter him into paradise, or that you forgive his sins, or save him from the fire, or that he is saved from calamities. Right? All of these things, only Allah has the power and ability over. So to place this type of hope in other than Allah, this is shirk. And this is worshipping other than Allah. And this is what we see from many of the, the Sufis, from those who are attached to the graves and the tombs, we see that they actually direct al-khawf, fear, that we discussed in the previous lesson. And likewise, ar-raja, which is la, which is hope, sorry. They, they put their fear and the hope in other than Allah. So for example, they will you know, come to these tombs, these mausoleums, and like you see millions of people in Egypt traveling every year, you know, at a specific point in time, traveling to a place called Tanta, and, uh, you know, to this grave, this tomb of Ahmed al-Badawi. And they go there, and in their heart there is a hope. There is a hope that, you know, that maybe by this devotion, that this wali, he will grant them a child, which they've been trying for for many, many years. Or that he will relieve them of this illness that they've been suffering from, from for many, many years. Or that he will remove this pain, this excruciating pain that they've had in their arm or their leg that they can't get rid of. So this, so this now is a type of hope, it is a type of raja, which is clearly shirk with Allah Azza wa Jal. And as we said, this is completely different to those things which are adi, which, which, which are habitual and normal in, 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 in the day-to-day normal course of life. You know, where we, we hope in people that they, that they benefit us in some way because they have the ability uh, to, you know, to, to over that thing. You hope that someone gives you a job. You hope that someone, you know, gives you a lift. You hope that someone... So all these things are adi, they are, they are perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with them uh, at all. So this is ar-raja, the two types of ar-raja. One which is adi and one which is actually worship, which is only for Allah Azawajal. Then after this is At-Tawakkul. At-Tawakkul is also from the types and forms of ibadah, of worship. And At-Tawakkul, its meaning is Tafweedul Umur, Tafweedul Umur, Tafweedul Umur ilallahi subhanahu wa ta'ala wal-i'timad alayhi. Wal-i'timad alayhi. 
which is to resign or consign, to resign, to leave all of the affairs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to depend upon Him, to depend upon Him alone. And so we see in the Quran, وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ So place your reliance or your trust upon Allah if indeed you are believers. We see in one ayah, Surah Al-Ma'idah, Surah 5, verse number 23. And likewise, the statement of Allah فَعْبُدْهُ وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلِيهِ So worship Allah and place your reliance upon Him. Surah Hud, which is the 11th surah, verse number 120, 123. And also the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal, This ayah, in this ayah, we see that Allah Azza wa Jal has uh, reversed the order of the words, because normally this would be وَتَوَكَّلُوا أَوْ فَتَوَكَّلُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا عَلَى اللَّهِ Place your reliance upon Allah. But the jar uh, and the majroor, عَلَى اللَّهِ is moved to the front of the sentence. To the front of the sentence. وَعَلَى اللَّهِ فَتَوَكَّلُوا And the meaning this has, this occurs often in the Qur'an with many of these types of worship. And the meaning this provides in the Arabic language is that يُفِيدُ hasar, يُفِيدُ hasar, which means that it refers to uh, limiting. Right? That this tawakkul should only be made upon Allah and upon no one besides Him at all. Meaning that it is restricted only to Allah فَتَوَكَّلُوا إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ and likewise, in the ayah in Surah Al-Anfal, at the beginning of Surah Al-Anfal, uh, Surah 8, verse number 2, Indeed, the believers are those who when Allah is mentioned, their hearts shake and their eyes shed tears. Uh, when and sorry, the, the eyes of one when 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 Allah is mentioned, their hearts quiver and shake, and when His signs are recited to them, when His verses are recited to them, it increases them in faith, it increases them in iman, and upon their Lord do they place their trust. Notice again, wa rabbihim yatawakkalun. The, the word order has been reversed. Normally it would say, وَيَتَوَكَّلُونَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ وَيَتَوَكَّلُونَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ Mentioning the verb first, and, you know, وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ The jar and the majroor after that. But it's been reversed. وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ So the action is delayed, and وَعَلَىٰ اللَّهِ That is, وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ is brought to the front. This means, only upon their Lord, do they place their trust? This is the effect of this change in, in wording. Only upon their Lord do they place their trust. And so this clearly means that they do not place their trust upon other than Allah, because this is not permissible. So this now is tawakkul. Tawakkul, tawakkul 
What we mean by tawakkul is that you use the ways and means with the knowledge that Allah is the creator of the ways and means. And so, the, and so therefore your heart is attached not to the ways and means, but to Allah Azza wa Jal. Now to help explain this, what I've just explained, to put it concretely in, in your minds, let's just give an example. So let's say that you are about to set off on a journey, and as you know, when you travel in a car, and you know you know that there's going to be bad weather, and you know that there could be something wrong with your car. So, so as part and parcel of tawakkul, you check your engine oil, you check uh, the water level, uh, the antifreeze, the water level. You check uh, the, the 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 you know the indicators are working fine. Your mirrors are fine. All of these are things that you that, that things that you do. Likewise, when you get in the car, you wear the seat belt, and as you are driving, you stick to the, the regulations and the laws, you stop at the red lights. So all of this now is you taking the ways and means. These are the asbab, the ways and means. This is part and parcel of tawakkul. So, now, if you believe and you think that because I've taken all these ways and means and your heart now becomes attached to the ways and means, in other words, you are relying upon the ways and means in order to remain safe. Right? So here now your attachment is to these things. However, it could be the case that no matter, no matter uh, all the precautions that you've taken, You've done absolutely everything by the letter to ensure your safety. But little do you know that some idiot on the other side of the road could be on his phone or something else or doing something and he swerves, he goes over the, the barrier, comes right in front of you and you crash and you are dead. Now this is something that's totally outside of your control. It's outside of your control. These are other ways and means which are in the control of Allah Azza wa Jal. Right? So, with this example, you take the ways and means, but your heart is attached to Allah. Because Allah is the creator of all of the ways and means. Right? You cannot make your heart to be attached to the ways and means alone. Because the effect, which in this case is safety and preservation of life, is not dependent only on those things alone. There are other things as well. Right? So you take the ways and means, we believe in the ways and means, we take the ways and means, but we rely upon Allah Azza wa Jal. And that's why, <coughs> that's why there is a statement uh, from the Salaf regarding tawakkul and the ways and means. And they say, uh, they say, the, there's a statement which they say, which is Al-Iltifat. Uh, Al-Iltifat ila al-asbab. Al-Iltifat ila al-asbab. Qadhun fi tawheed. Qadhun fi tawheed. 
there are, there are three parts to this statement. Al-iltifat ila al-asbab qadhun fit-tawheed. This means that if you turn and focus on the asbab, like in our example that I just gave about the, the car safety and you take all the ways and means and you turn just to them and rely just upon them, this now is a revilement upon Tawheed. This now is a revilement upon Tawheed. وَمَحْوُ الْأَسْبَابِ أَن تَكُونَ أَسْبَابًا قَدْحٌ فِي الْأَقَلِ And to erase the ways and means, to erase the ways and means, to negate the ways and means from considering them to be ways and means, this is a deficient, this is a revilement of the intellect. So this would mean, in our example, that if a person comes along and says, you know what, forget, uh, you know, forget checking my tires and forget checking the oil and forget using the indicators and forget sticking to the highway code and forget stopping at red lights and forget all of this is nonsense. You know, if Allah wills, I'll be safe. I'll, I'll be safe. If Allah wills, I'll be safe. Right? So here now, a person is denying and negating that the ways and means are ways and means. Right? This is similar to a person saying, forget taking food. If Allah wills that my hunger will be removed, it'll be removed. So forget taking the food. Or, forget getting married. If Allah wills, I'll have children anyway. So what's the point getting married? These two are the same. These two are the same. Right? To deny the asbab from being asbab is a revilement in intellect. Just like a person says, if Allah wills, I will, you know, my thirst will disappear. So what's the point in drinking water? It'll happen anyway, if Allah has willed it. Right? Rather, Allah has, if Allah has willed it, He's only willed it by way of the ways and means. So if Allah has willed your thirst to be removed, then it will be by way of that which removes the, th- the thirst. Just in the same way, if Allah has willed for you to be safe and your life to be preserved and protected, it will be by way of the taking the, 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 the ways and means. Even though to Allah belongs you know, all of the asbab and He decrees whatever He wills. So that's the second part of the statement to negate or to deny that the ways and means are ways and means to achieve things, this is a revilement in intellect. And uh, finally, to turn away from the asbab, al-iltifat, anil asbab, qadhun fit-tawakkul. To turn away from the asbab is a revilement of tawakkul. Your tawakkul is not complete unless you take the asbab. Right? So this is a statement that is uh, said from some of the scholars uh, in relation to the issue of a tawakkul. So a tawakkul is only for Allah Azza wa Jal, and this is what we mean, that we take the ways and means, we believe in them, that Allah has decreed them, we take them, but our hearts are attached to Allah and not to the ways and means. Now, there is something, again, we distinguish between tawakkul and between something else which is called at-tawkil. At-tawkil. There is at-tawakkul and there is at-tawkil. At-tawkil means to simply uh, delegate someone, to entrust someone with something with which he has the power and ability over. 
right? So you might entrust someone to go and buy something for you. You might entrust someone to run your business for you. You might entrust someone to look after your children or your family. This now is called at-tawkil. At-tawkil. This is not the same as at-tawakkul. At-tawakkul is the heart's attachment to Allah and dependence upon Allah, relying upon Allah, because He is the creator of all of the ways and means. And through these ways and means, our effects do affect arise. Not independently, but by the decree of Allah Zawajal. And, and in, 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 in uh, conjunction with other asbab as well that have to come together if Allah so decrees. So therefore your heart is attached to Allah. In this case, you, you are simply entrusting someone with something and you know, in, in, in the worldly sense. And this is perfectly permissible. We see that the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, he used to entrust someone who would go and buy things from him. And likewise, he would uh, entrust certain, uh, he would employ certain people or put certain people in charge of certain affairs that he would delegate to be in charge of certain affairs for him. And likewise, uh, the Ashab al-Kahf in Surah al-Kahf, the people of the cave, we see that they as a group, they entrusted one amongst them to go and to find food for them. As we see in the ayah, فَبْعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرَكِكُمْ حَادِهِ بِوَرَكِكُمْ حَادِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَأْتِكُمْ بِرِزْقٍ بِرِزْقٍ مِّنْهِ وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا So they said, send one amongst you with this uh, note or with this, uh, with this note, some, uh, I guess it was some uh, wealth or some money, and to the to the city and go and find the purest food and let him come back with it with some sustenance and let him be cautious and take care lest anyone should be aware lest anyone should be uh, you know be be aware of them so here they entrusted one person this is tawkil to entrust a person to do something uh, for you so this is tawkil a tawkil is jaiz it is permissible to entrust a duty to someone else or somebody else. But as for tawakkul, it is only for Allah Azza wa Jal. So this now leads us to the next uh, type of worship mentioned by Shaykh al-Islam. And this is al-inaba. Al-inaba. And al-inaba means to... Uh, the meaning of al-inaba is ar-ruju' wa tawbah which means to return to return and again to return and to, to re- repent and they both have the same meaning uh, we see in the Quran in Surah Az-Zumar Surah 39 verse uh, 54 and turn return to your Lord and submit to him. Now this inaba, the meaning, as we said, the meaning of al-inaba is that the heart returns back from every single thing that is besides Allah. Right? In other words, you turn away from every single thing that is besides Allah Azza wa Jal. And you turn only to Allah Azza wa Jal. This is the meaning of al-inaba. Al-inaba. And so this means that the heart 
is never attached to anything besides Allah. It turns back from attachment to anything besides Allah until it is only ever attached to Allah Azza wa Jal. Now in reality, as the scholars explain, this particular form of worship, Al-Inaba, is something that doesn't really exist on its own. Rather, Al-Inaba, this, this, this state of worship, this feeling, is something that, that comes about in the presence of other actions of the heart. Right? So for example, you, uh, when, when you have Ar-Raja, hope only in Allah. You have Al-Khawf, fear only of Allah. You have Al-Mahabba, your love is only for Allah. So when you, main, when, you, when you do these things, it means that your heart then is basically turning away from fear of other than Allah. It is turning away from hope in other than Allah. It is turning away from a type of love that is due only to Allah. And therefore it's turning away with that love from other than Allah. So from all these directions, as you start turning away from other than Allah, you are essentially, you are making inaba to Allah. You are making inaba to Allah. That's why the scholars explain that this type of worship, al-inaba, is something that doesn't exist on its own, but rather in the presence of other other affairs and types of worship. And so here we see, وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ This is the proof, uh, the, the ayah, that return to your Lord and submit only to Him. So, this then would be different, for example, a muwahid whose heart turns only to Allah because it fears only Allah, it hopes only in Allah, it makes oath only to Allah, it makes tawakkul only upon Allah, it makes isti'ana, istighath, all those things that we've already discussed. As opposed to, for example, when you see a grave worshipper, a grave worshipper, he comes to the grave, stands in front of the grave, and upon his false belief that this wali is someone who can aid him and support him and you know intercede him intercede for him without the permission of Allah and you know the various other conditions that's his belief so he stands there and you see that his heart is full of awe it's full of fear it's full of love he's humbling himself there's a state of being of his heart which shows that his inaba he's basically he is he is returning to this individual his heart is not making inaba to Allah Azza wa Jal. Rather it is making inaba to this other being besides Allah Azza wa Jal. Why? Because his, his hope, his fear, his love, his tawakkul, his isti'ana, his istighatha, all of it he's directing these forms of worship to other than Allah Azza wa Jal. And so therefore his, this inaba is therefore now it is to other than Allah Azza wa Jal. So this is the meaning of al-inaba, the heart of a muwahid is in a certain state, it is stripped of attachment to other than Allah. It turns back in its associations from other than Allah until it is only attached to Allah and only returning back to Allah. This is the meaning of Al-Inaba. Al-Inaba. Then after this there is Al-Mahabba. Al-Mahabba is love. And Al-Mahabba is, has a very mighty position and a status as it relates to the as it relates to worship, and this is obviously the mahabba of Allah, loving Allah Azza wa Jal, and this mahabba then is basically of two types, as the Sheikh mentions. The first type 
<coughs> is the muhabba of ibadah. The love, the type of love which actually constitutes worship. This is worship. And this is when the love that you have in your heart has present with it al-dhul wal Meaning that alongside this love, you are also humbling yourself, humiliating yourself to the one to whom you are loving. This is when this now becomes a type of ibadah, <coughs> a type of worship. And this type of this type of uh, this type of muhabba, uh, this type of love, is only due to Allah. Why? How is this? This is because we obviously we love Allah Azawajal. And then we humble ourselves to him because we obey him. You know, we feel humility in ourselves. We feel that we are lower in, you know, that, that, that we are humble and lowered and submissive towards Allah Azawajal. So in a similar manner, if someone came along and again coming back to the grave worshipper and we find that he loves this wali or this person in this grave, and alongside that, he is submissive and humble, and you know he goes about doing deeds out of humility and submissiveness to this to this being, out of fear, for example, that you know some harm might come to him or whatever. This now is a love, which has with it a type of dhul, which is lowering and humbling oneself, and khudur, which is submitting oneself. Right? This now is ibad. This is now mahabba which constitutes worship, right? And this type would, would, would be shirk with Allah Azza wa Jal. This is mahabba shirkiyah. This is a type of mahabba which, which is shirk. And this is the nature of the love of the idol worshippers, the mushrikun in all the various forms and types that they have for their deities. As Allah mentions about them in the Quran, that amongst mankind are those who love, you know, uh, those besides Allah, you know, they love them in a way with such an intense love that is due only to Allah, right? So this type of love here is that which is has coupled with it this this dhul and khudu. The second type of mahabba is al mahabba al tabi'iya, al mahabba al tabi'iya. This is just a natural type of love that Allah has put as an instinct in everybody. You know, you love wealth. You love your wife, you love, you know, uh, the the uh, your parents. You love the one who is kind and benevolent to you, right? All these things are natural, is a natural type of love, and this type of love there is no dhul, there is no, uh, you know, khudur, uh, there is no humbling oneself, humiliating oneself, lowering oneself. There's none of these things which are present. This is just a, a natural type of love that you have for things that you like, which are pleasing to you, which give you pleasure, which benefit you, uh, and, and so on and so forth. So, now these things, uh, obviously this is permissible. It's a permissible type of love, but only on the condition that it does not come in the way of your love of Allah Azza wa and that you do not put the love of these things in front of your love of Allah Azza wa because then this now becomes a muhabba which is haram, which is unlawful, which is not permissible. So here we read in the ayah, Allah Zawajal has gave a severe warning for people who fall into this, of putting love of other things. This is not muhabba shirkiyah, but it is muhabba which, which is unlawful. Where you put the love of other things 
ahead of the love of Allah So we see in Surah At-Tawbah, قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبْنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَالٌ تَرَقْتُمُوهَا وَتِجَارَةٌ تَخْشَوْنَ كَسَادَهَا وَمَسَاكِنُ تَرْضَوْنَهَا أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنَ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَجِهَادٍ فِي سَبِيلِهِ الْآيَةِ To the end of the ayah. Say, if your fathers and your sons and your brothers and your wives or your spouses and your close relatives and the wealth which you have acquired and the trade in which you fear Allah's and the abodes, the, the homes in which you find you know, pleasure is more beloved to, you, to, to, beloved to you than Allah and His Messenger and striving in His path to the end of the ayah where it mentions you know, the threat uh, of, of Allah implementing His threat. So therefore all of these things, these are all affairs of the world. Right, your fathers, your parents, your children, your brothers, your wives, your families, the wealth, your trade. These are all things that, that basically we like and we have an affiliation to. Allah has threatened us if we put these things ahead of our love of Allah and the Messenger and striving in His path. So this is muhabba, which which is unlawful. So this then is al muhabba. We move on to the next form and type of worship, which is al khashiyah. Al-Khashya is in fact a type of khawf. We've already discussed khawf in the previous lesson, fear. Al-Khashya is just simply a type of khawf. Allah he said, فَلَا تَخْشَوْهُمْ وَخْشَوْنِي Do not fear them, or do not have awe of them, but have awe of me, fear me. Which means that the khashya, to have awe and fear of the creation, it is not permissible to put that in front of the khashya of Allah Azza wa Jal. Alladheena yuballighoona risalati Allah wa yakhshawnahu wa la yakhshawna ahadan illa Allah. Allah mentions this as a quality. Those who convey the messages of Allah and who fear Him and they do not fear anyone except Allah. La yakhshawna illa Allah, ahadan illa Allah. So this is khashya. It's a type of fear. We already discussed fear in the previous lesson. Then he mentioned Ar-Raghbah, Ar-Raghbah, Warrahbah. Ar-Raghbah, Warrahbah, again, they are a type of hope and fear. Ar-Raghbah, Warrahbah. Ar-Raghbah can best be difficult to translate, but let's say, uh, you can call it hope or aspiration. Hope or aspiration, you aspire to something, you hope in something. And Ar-Raghbah, is again, it's a type of fear, fear or apprehension, apprehension, um, something that you fear and you want to keep away from. This is ar-raghba wa rahba So ar-raghba is something that you like. You hope for something which is with Allah. At-tama' fi ma'inda in Allah, that you are hoping and desiring something that that is with Allah. Inna ilallahi raghibun. Indeed, we are. We hope, or we uh, we 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 um, we hope in that which is with Allah, or we hope in Allah. And so, this means to attach oneself with Allah, to aspire for that which is with Allah, to you know for that which 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 He gave us for for those who obey Him, and to put Allah's pleasure ahead of everyone else. This is ar-raghba, ar-raghba. 
And as for ar-rahmah, this is a type of fear, a type of apprehension. Wa farhabun. Wa farhabun is a command in the Quran. So fear me alone. Apprehend meaning be fearful of me alone. And so therefore it's obligatory that we that we have this rahbah only for Allah. We fear only Allah. We have khashya only of Allah, not the creation. We don't put them on a level near to Allah or equal to Allah, such that we are apprehensive of them, we fear them, which then leads us to abandon obedience to Allah and instead please the creation. Right? So this is Raghba and Rahmah. Fear and you know hope or aspiration and apprehension. Then the Shaykh goes on to mention another form and type of worship which is At-Ta'alluh. At-Ta'alluh, which again is devotion. At-Ta'alluh is another way, another word for uh, Muhabba. At-Ta'alluh means At-Ta'abbud, which means devotion. And it refers to that which is done out of love. Right? We love a thing, so we worship a thing. This is At-Ta'alluh. At-Ta'alluh. To give devotion to that which we love. This again is the right of Allah This is the meaning of uluhiyah. This is the meaning of uluhiyah. This belongs only to Allah. It is not permissible therefore that we take another ilah, that which we worship, that which we show love, and therefore worship in a manner that is due only to Allah Azawajal. He is the one who is the one the deity, the true deity in the heaven and the true deity upon the earth or in the earth. Which means that he is the one who is worshipped by those in the heaven and he is the one who is worshipped by those in the earth. He's only one deity and he's worshipped by those in the heaven and by those in upon uh, or in the earth. So this is At-Ta'alluh, it just means generally devotion, worshipping that whom we love. Then we have Ar-Ruku' Was-Sujood. So these are now outward types of worship, outward manifestations of worship. All the previous ones, many of them were actually the actions of the heart. Now Ar-Ruku' Was-Sujood. Ar-Ruku' bowing is an act of worship. It is not for other than Allah. A person should not bow or lower himself to anyone out of veneration of them. This is only for Allah Azawajal. When you do this out of humility and venerating someone, then this is only for Allah Azawajal. And likewise, even more so, prostration is only for Allah Azawajal. A person is not prostrate to an idol, nor to a grave, nor to a tomb, nor to any you know, highly respectable person of, of having status. Rather, it is only for Allah Azawajal. And we see that some of the previous nations, like the Persians and the Romans, they used to actually bow and prostrate to their leaders. On one occasion, uh, Mu'adh bin Jabal, he actually saw the Persians and the Romans, he saw them doing this. So when he came, and he came to the Prophet ﷺ, he wanted to prostrate to the Prophet ﷺ, because he saw those people doing it out of respect for their leaders. So he wanted to show the same respect. And we see that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, he prohibited him from that, prevented him from that, and he said, if I was to command anyone to prostrate to anyone else, then I would have commanded the woman to prostrate to her husband, due to the great right that he has upon her. So this sujood, 
is not for anyone besides Allah Azza wa Jal. And uh, we can, uh, you know, we can conclude, uh, and we'll continue inshallah with, with, with uh, uh, one or two more. Yeah, we'll finish in fact. But since we're on this point, uh, we see that in this hadith, uh, if I was to command anyone to prostrate to a woman, then I would command her to prostrate to a husband due to the great right that he has upon her. So, since we mentioned this hadith, we see that um, we see that Allah Azawajal, He has established a certain type of relationship between various people in the society, uh, between a husband and wife, between parents and children, and the other way around as well, children and parents, between the subjects and the ruler, between the subjects and the scholars, the ulama. We see that all of these types of relationships have been clearly defined and guidance has been given to us. And as a consequence of all of this, we see that there is cohesion and there is coherence and there is stability in a Muslim society that adheres to these to these things. For example, when a child respects his parents, when the parents respect the children and fulfill their duties, when a husband respects the rights of the wife, when the wife respects the rights of the husband, when the subjects respect the rights of the rulers, when they likewise respect the rights of the scholars. Right? In all of this we see that there is, there is a cohesion. And likewise, there are certain things which are the right of certain people to engage in. So the scholars are the ones who give fatwa and teach knowledge. The rulers are the ones who look after, uh, who maintain order and provide security. Right? The husband, the men are the ones who have been given certain tasks. And likewise, women have been given certain tasks. And some of those rights are so great and so so uh, so highly emphasized. Like for example, look at the right of the ruler. The ruler has such a right upon his subjects that even if the ruler was to be tyrannical and oppressive and unjust, and if he was to take you, take your wealth, beat your back, we have still been commanded in the Sharia to still obey him. As we see in the hadith of Hudayfa, وَإِن ضَرَبَ ذَهْرَكَ وَأَخْذَ مَالَكَ أَوْ ضُرِبَ ذَهْرُكَ أَوْ أُخِذَ مَالُكَ According to you know, the way it's read. Even if your back is beaten and your wealth is taken, still, this is a great and mighty right that belongs to the ruler. Why? Because there are far-reaching wisdoms behind this command. Right? Because it's to maintain stability in, in the land and to maintain the affairs to run their course and you know uh, people you know to avoid a, gr- a greater wide scale fitna in a similar manner we see that a woman she has a tremendous that the man has a tremendous right upon the female to obey him and to honor him and to respect him and this is the way that society remains co- cohesive and you will see in these nations in these nations that we live all of which run upon 
socialism and you know socialism is really something uh, the, the underlying premise of which is to break down all of these relationships to break down all of these relationships between the husband and wife between the parents and children between the children and parents between the ruler and the ruled and to isolate every single individual so that he's just one individual and you know uh, you know uh, then it leads to other things like you know confiscation of private property and whatever else so the point being here is that when you look at these societies you see them arguing about you know you see them nowadays uh, women hating men and men hating women and uh, who should be paying the divorce is it the woman who should be paying because they demand equal rights and they are equal or is it the man that should pay the divorce settlement and you know all these things you see in the society when you look at the social ills and the problems that they are having in their societies you see all of this is because they they do not recognize the 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 the, the realities that we that we see mentioned in you know in the guidance that Allah has given to us. And so therefore they will be in a downward spiral. And because of these problems you see in their societies, the you know uh, the uh, population rate is plummeting, they're not having children, right? Their populations will die out within, you know, how many generations this is what they're very scared of. Right? Because all these individual relationships, men and women, and the bond that should be between them, and you know, all these other social ills and plagues that, that they have in their societies like homosexuality and lesbianism, whatever else, all of that is bringing so many problems and causing their societies to spiral downwards into destruction. Right? So, my point in, not, in saying all of this is we, we are not shy from mentioning this. We are proud of this guidance from Allah. We are not, we're not shy. We do not apologize. We are not sorry. We find that this is, this is guidance from Allah and we are proud of this guidance. Take it or leave it. This is how we should respond to these people and not cower and take the back foot and you know be be deceived by these slogans that they come out with, you know, freedom, equal rights. This all this is just nonsense. It's just nonsense. It's meaningless nonsense. Just look at the state of these societies uh, before you start believing in these slogans. So to continue, we just have a short bit left, inshallah, we'll conclude. Uh, Al Khushur Al Khushur, which is uh, again Khushur is to humble oneself and At-Tadhalul and At-Ta'zim. We'll finish by mentioning a few words about each of these things. So Al-Khushu' is is an action of the heart and it is basically your heart becoming soft. Humbling and becoming soft. And this is for none but Allah Azza wa Jal. Your heart doesn't become soft and become... uh, Soft and gentle out of fear for anyone besides Allah Azza wa Jal. Because this type of khushur is something that involves venerating someone, thinking someone to be great. So when you have khushur of someone, it, it means like a type of veneration. Your heart is softening for such a person because you believe that he's. This is only for Allah Azza wa Jal. Your heart softens for him. You cry out of fear of him. You have khashiyah of him. And thus we see in Surah Al-Mu'minun, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ هُمْ مِنْ خَشْيَةِ رَبِّهِمْ مُشْفِقُونَ Indeed, those who out of the, the khashya of the Lord, they are fearful. Likewise, التذلل, 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 which means again to humble oneself and to lower oneself. It's uh, Al-Khudur, again it's submissiveness, 
as we've already mentioned before, it is from the types of worship. So we see that again, ibadah is al-hub wa-dhul. Al-hub wa-dhul. Love and hum- humbling oneself in by complying and giving obedience. And this is at-tadhallul. This is for none but Allah Azawajal. And finally, at-ta'zim. At-ta'zim is veneration. To venerate someone. And uh, this is again... Uh, an act of worship when it is combined with khudur, when you humble yourself to someone else. And to direct this to other than Allah, this again is shirk with Allah Azza wa Jal. Rather we venerate Allah, we make ta'zeem of Allah, and we humble ourselves to Him, because this is ibad of Allah Azza wa Jal. So at this point we've mentioned all of these different forms and types of worship. It is very important that you understand each of these Ad-du'a, just as a recap now, ad-du'a we mentioned, al-isti'ana, al-isti'ratha, al-dhabh, sacrifice, another, making oaths, al-khawf, al-raja, al-tawakkul, al-inaba, al-mahabba, al-khashya, al-raghba, wal-rahba, al-ta'alluh, al-ruku'a, al-sujood, al-khushu'a, al-tadallul, al-ta'zim. At this point, the Shaykh now goes on, to say or to mention all of the specific evidences for each of these acts of worship. And we will leave that inshallah ta'ala for our next lesson. It just simply mentions the ayat with some brief commentary. So we'll leave that discussion inshallah ta'ala to the next lesson. It's important at this point then that we understand these forms and types of worship, what they mean, how to explain them, uh, that some of them have different types and some types uh, shirk and other types are just natural and normal, other types are prohibited. So all these classifications a person should be should be clear and understand them well. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.